Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nerd Like Me podcast. I'm Corey Howell and I'm here with Chris Gladden. What is up, Chris? How we doing? Pretty good. Um, so right off the bat, we've got some some nerdy news, I guess, or something that's um, been released, I guess, in, in recent past. And it's got a lot of people upset. There's a lot of controversy. Um, so we saw the new design um, for the new Joker origin story with Joaquin Phoenix. And... Um, a lot. I guess the the simple way to put it is, I think some people are upset. I think some people are going to be upset of how you pronounce his name too. How do we pronounce it? I don't know. Joaquin. Joaquin we'll get, <laughs> what you got to do is get a normal name, and then it's easy. Like, how does that even make sense? Um, but anyway, no, he looks like crap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just. I guess my first initial thought is is why. Yeah, I really don't. You I know, really don't understand that look at all. Not not that. Not only that, but here, why are, why are we switching characters again? Oh, because they just can't. They just can't make up their damn mind. You know what I mean? I mean, that's what I keep coming back to is like, can we just, like, even if you don't make something the best, I guess I'm just a stick to your guns kind of guy. Like, right. like, let's not just, like, it gives me even less faith in the DC universe when you're like, yeah, that what that wasn't that good. So we're just going to, we're just going to drop it and start yeah. over. So it's another reboot that we're going to see. Right. I know <laughs> what I'm like, saying. I'm like, can, can we, can we not do that anymore? Yeah. I'm pretty sick of it. And I mean, I guess my question is, since it's an origin story, are we going to see this feed into, like, what universe? Is it going to be the, the Justice League universe we're currently operating in? Right. You know, or is it mm-hmm. is it the back in the past? It shouldn't. I mean, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be, right? Because we yeah. had Jared Leto as the Joker. Right. With Ben Affleck as Batman in, um, in Suicide Squad. Yeah. I mean, and then people that don't even really know comic books or, you know, or even really comic characters are going to look at this and just wonder what the heck is going on. You know, I mean, yeah, like you're all over the place, right? You know, it. you mentioned this earlier. It kind of looks like the starting of a horror movie. And I mean, that might end up being what it what it ends up being. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't really know. I mean, um just from the look of the costume, like you said, I mean, it, it reminds me of like some low budget, almost like, you know, we've discussed this before, not on the podcast, but just, you know, off air, um, how the, the Marvel TV stuff is just a little like you can tell it's low budget mm-hmm. and it just doesn't have the same quality. Yeah. At least from a special effects, costume design, set design standpoint that you see in the movies. Right. There's not that just not that perfect fit and finish that you see. In a exactly. Movie. So and, I, and that's like when I look at this costume like that's what i see i'm like this looks like it belongs in a netflix series i mean it looks like 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 a william shatner mask was just spray painted and (laughs) (laughs) it's just it just looks like i mean it just looks horrible to me and and i've seen some people that say that they like it and and again you know well you have fanboys that are like right they're gonna jump all over everything and somebody say said that it was paying homage to the uh to the Dark Knight movie where they're robbing the bank and he's wearing that little mask. And, I mean, I can almost kind of, like, if I really stretch it, see that. But, like, the colors... But why would they even do that? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't no, make that, any from, sense from, do, from but... a design standpoint, like, why would... Like, if, I'm, if, I, if it's my job to design the way the new Joker looks, yeah. like, why would I pick that as my reference point? Nah, you mean, wouldn't. I mean, that's the answer because you, you want the worst looking Joker that's yeah, ever yeah. been in, in cinema. Uh, you know, I don't really like the look of the Jared Leto version, but you know, you kind of said the other day. I mean, it does match with modern times. I mean, like, that's my that was my thing, right? Is I think a lot of people write it off because it's not this classical view of what we see the Joker as, or what mm-hmm. we've seen him as in the past. But if we look at a movie that's set in modern times, um, and, and we really realize that the Joker is a gangster, mm-hmm. like. 
that is the definition of a gangster. He's got right. a tatted up face. He's got jewelry and and he's a thug. Yeah. I mean, at, to his core, right? I mean, if you if you were to think of just ask a random person on the street, like, what does a thug look like? Like, besides the white makeup and the green hair, mm-hmm. he'd be pretty damn close. Or at least like like the rich like the rich thug, like you would see like in a rap video or. Well, something that's what like I'm saying, that. right? Like like a, like a, the 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 mob boss or the thug leader, right? I mean, that's right. what he's going to look like. Yeah, maybe not your average guy selling pot on the corner, but somebody's making money, and, and he's going to probably, you know, have a, a flashy purple car. Right. A first purple Lamborghini or something, mm-hmm. right? I mean, um, so I, I'm not super disappointed in that design direction. I mean, even if we look back at when, I mean, even when Batman was first created, right? Um, this is the 50s, right? 50s or 60s? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, you know, you had the Joker, and around that time, your idea of a, of a criminal boss was a mob boss, mm-hmm. which is why we saw the, the Joker design the way he was, right? Right. Yeah, he had the purple hair or the the green hair in the in the white makeup or whatever. But I mean, he was in a suit. You know, I mean, everybody. You know, that's that's like he looks like a mob boss, right? Like you know, um, out of Gangs of New York or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we saw with De Niro or Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Jack Nichols. And and forward, I think that just that image kind of carried. Mm-hmm. But now we're operating in 2018 where that's not really a thing anymore. Right. I mean, I still prefer that look. Just, well, I mean, I mean I, it is classic. And I mean... I agree with you. I mean, it's not what we know as the Joker. Right. right? But my big thing with the this new look is that it looks too much like a clown. And people are going to probably be like, well, he is a clown. But when I think of the Joker, I don't think of a clown. No. I think of a jester. You know, I think of a court jester. Um, and Which Harlequin pretty much sums up perfectly, right? right? I mean, they, he that's I see that look a lot more than I see just some... He's not supposed to be a clown. He's not right. a party clown, right? Right. He's not showing up to your kid's freaking birthday party. With the red nose. And, and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's, I mean, that's what this that's what this one feels like. I mean, if you put a red nose on it, like, you wouldn't think that was the Joker. You would just think that's just that's some, really, some really goofy looking dude running around as a clown. Right. You know, I mean, it's, there's just, there's no substance to that look. And there either. wasn't a whole lot of purple in the look either. Yeah. Which to me is like the quintessential Joker. Like, yeah. it's purple. Mm-hmm. It's purple and green. Yep. You know? Um, so that was, he just looked, yeah, I don't know. And again, that's the first preliminary image we see, you know, is that what the character looks like at the end of the movie? Maybe not. Yeah. I mean. Right. I mean, that that's the other possibility is that, you know, I'm trying, I guess, not to be too pessimistic and understand that maybe like his, his first, you know, right. I mean, think about like the first Spider-Man costume. Mm-hmm. When he's in the wrestling match or whatever, like it's the bullshit. It's like. Yeah. It could be that scene where, you know, he's looking into the mirror and he's just now donning like that guy's right you know and you know i don't i don't want to shit on the movie but i'm going to shit all over this this version of the costume you know i mean the movie might be fine um i mean it would be interesting to see um an origin story for the joker cuz i mean we really haven't like other than you know jack nicholson's thing where he you know he falls into the pit and you know he's a mob boss right. and he falls into the you know vat or whatever and it turns him into what he becomes like there's not really much before that that you ever really see, especially not in movies. I mean, right. I know that there's some stuff out there in comics, um, but, I mean, a lot of those are comics that people have never even read, even people that read a lot of comics, because um, they're just, unfortunately, they weren't really that interesting. Um, but, I mean, this movie could be interesting. Um, I do look forward to seeing something different from, from DC. I guess, again, to me, it kind of comes back to, like, can you just pick something and stick with it? Right. Improve yeah. on what you have and say, I mean, you know... Like, why give up on everything so quick? Like, honestly, it makes me... It, it, it's going to be frustrating 
Because what I feel like is going to happen is they're finally going to do something good. Mm-hmm. Maybe this movie is going to be awesome, and this this iteration of the Joker turns out to be great. And then everything just steers that direction. No, and then or, they just drop it well, for whatever okay. reason. They're like, "Nope, we're going to reboot it again. We're you know we're doing something else." Right. Sorry that you guys liked it. I mean, the problem with them is is that they're trying to catch up to Disney. They're trying. Oh, I've, well, I've said that before for sure. Yeah, they're, they're trying to. They don't have the money to catch up to Disney, so all they care about is making money. So they're just pumping stuff out. I mean, they don't care about the people that, that watch their in, shows. Yeah, you know. They don't. They don't care about any of that. All they care about is the stockholders right now. I mean, that's really because they're at that point of Uh-oh. maybe needing to abandon ship. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the whole. I mean, the DC universe might turn into just Batman movies. You know, because that's the only thing that's really been successful with all those movies. Well, in fairness, I'm. I, I okay. I'm fine with that. Honestly. Right. I mean, and that's what it's been for a long time. Because, in, in my opinion, he's really the only DC hero that I care to watch. Yeah. I mean, I I can't disagree with that. I mean, I. I like DC characters, but they're always so overpowered. <laughs> it's just, it's just not that. It's not as interesting as it could be um, when you've got characters like Batman. That you know, I mean, he's very mortal. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, when he gets beat up, you know, he's suffering from that for days. You know, it's not. Yeah, some of my favorite scenes, right, are like Bruce. Bruce Wayne limping around with bandages and yeah. he's got crutches and it's like, yeah, because he's got the shit beat out of him and, for two days, yeah. you know? Um, and it, yeah, it gives that a little bit of sense of, all right, this guy's actually like, he's got something on the line when he's fighting, right? Mm-hmm. There's not just, I'm Superman and it really doesn't matter what you do. Right. You know? Right. So I don't know. Uh, I would like to see something different. <laughs> um, and uh, I was actually really surprised to see Joaquin Phoenix in that role. Um, I mean, he does. I mean, he's had some some really good uh, movies. So, I mean, he could do something different with this, this movie that uh, we haven't seen before. But I don't know. When I start seeing... When I start seeing the basics failing, it's hard for me to, to get excited about something. Yeah. Just like that. Like I said, I guess my only... Um my only hope is that the costume that we see is not like the final iteration of his costume. Yeah. Like I said, maybe that's the first time he decides to go rob a bank. Yeah. And he grabs what he has in his closet, puts some makeup on his face, and goes for it. Unfortunately, I don't think that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm being <laughs> the first reveal. Wrong. Like, yeah. I just I just don't see that being the case. But I understand why you're hoping for it. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> if, 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 I mean, if he looks like that throughout the whole movie and that's like, I'm supposed to think of this is like one of the, I mean, really best villains of all time. Mm. No thanks. Right. You know, I mean, it just doesn't, I don't know, I think they're going to leave a lot of people disappointed. Yeah, I mean, they've already got a lot of people disappointed and that's, I mean, that's a bad start, right? I mean, if you, if people are already disappointed before they go see your movie. And, and, and you've, you've released one picture. Right. Like, that's not a good start. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, it's hard. It's going to be hard to get people in seats anyway, because all these other movies have been failures. You know, the only the only upsides of, of any of these DC movies that I've been hearing lately, other than, you know, Wonder Woman is there one caveat um, is that it's like, oh, it's a better movie when you see the uncut version. And it's like, well, why that's, is yeah, why that the I... version that they release? <laughs> and then even then, I they're mean, I bought all these better, movies. Right? They're, not, they're not that much better. I I mean, you get like maybe 15, 20 minutes of extra movie. And, and that doesn't, like I'm sorry, 15 minutes is not going to save two hours of movie. No. If it's two hours of bad, 15 minutes of good is not going to turn that around. No. You know, it's just not. Um, so I've, I've never, to be honest, I've never even bothered 
when they say that to go back and watch whatever other version they're suggesting because I know it's not relevant. Yeah, you're just going to be disappointed again, as, yep. as I was when I bought uh, what was it uh, Justice League and watched the extended version. I was just really disappointed with that. I mean, it's I wanted to give it a chance because I I mean I I know you don't like Superman, but I do like Superman. Um, and I wanted to see something interesting come out of that movie. Um, and I want it cause I want to see more Superman movies. I want them. I liked, um, what, whatever the, the first Superman movie that came out, man of steel, man of steel. I liked that. Um, because it was just a different side of Superman and you had to see him struggle with things that were more than just physical. You know, he was struggling with his morality. Um, you know, he was struggling with, you know, his upbringing, you know, it was a lot more interesting to me to see that side of him. And then in the newer versions, I mean, I'm just not seeing that as much. And I mean, granted, part of that is just he doesn't have enough FaceTime on screen mm-hmm. to get to that. And I mean, that's, nobody does. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's my biggest problem with any of these DC movies is you give us all these characters and you try and fit in background and character building for each one of the Justice League characters and give us a, a self-sustaining, like a self-contained plot Yeah, in a movie. And it's just like, dude, there's there's not enough time to do all that. No. You're choosing to do seven things half-assedly instead of doing one thing good. Yeah. I mean, like Marvel did. I mean, it's... Right. I mean, they... You got you got their own standalone story before they all came together. I mean, there might be a couple characters that you don't really know that much like about. Like Hawkeye I mean, or something, right? It's like, what do you really need to know about them? Mm-hmm. You know? I mean... Yeah, you've covered all the big bases. I mean, you know, and that's what I've never understood is they've... Is, as I look at DC's business model and I literally think, like, Marvel has given you the way to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, look how successful they are. Look at the way they did it. Yeah, you're behind the curve, but I guarantee you trying to reinvent the wheel and figure out a better way to make superhero movies or rushing it is not going to be a better way to, to be successful. No, not at all. You know, you should realize, you're, hey, we're going to be five years behind them. It is what it is. Right. But, but we'd mean, be better five- off five years behind uh you know like a was it 50 billion dollar company or something yeah i don't i don't know exactly what disney's worth but it's got to be something somewhere around there yeah um you know i i don't think that you're 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 never going to catch up well and you're never going to catch up that's the other part right is look they got the jump you missed the opportunity like there is still a market for your content Mm -hmm. there is no matter how good marvel does there is still room for dc comic movies yeah Right? It's not like people are going to be like, well, I've already got all this Marvel stuff. I'm not even going to bother with the DC stuff. Yeah. False. I mean, if you go into any If room, anything, they they build your success. Yeah. Because they increase general, like, people like superhero stuff now. Yeah. And guess what? Absolutely. You have plenty of original, different than their Marvel superheroes to make content of. And so why, why they didn't just say, okay, you know what? They gave us the roadmap on how to do this. Let's do one or two origin movies for each one of these characters. Let's develop them. Let's give them an, a character identity. Let's mm-hmm. make our audience like them. Right. Then we'll bring them together for a Justice League movie. Mm-hmm. And then we'll intersperse each character in each other movie. Right? Yeah. So we have a Batman movie that Superman appears in. And we have um, a Wonder Woman movie that The Flash is in or something. You know? Right. Um, that's so easy to do. They literally showed you how to do it. And instead of doing that, they're like, no, we need all the money now. We need to compete with the Avengers. Right. Let's. I mean, how are you going to... How do? You, how did they expect Justice League to do anything like the Avengers when... They haven't laid the groundwork. Yeah. I mean, the pe- the reason that the Avengers are so popular right now is because people know who all those characters are now. 
You know what I mean? Like, everybody on Earth knows who all the Avengers are. But not everybody knows who Wonder Woman is. I mean, she is a very popular character, but not a lot of people know who well, she is. Well, then you get into people characters like the Cyborg, and it's like... Yeah, I mean, that's where I was going. Like, Cyborg, you got Aquaman and the Flash. Like, the average person has no idea who those are. You know, I mean, they might have heard of them, and they, they might be able to point them out on a piece of paper if you show them a picture right, of but all they don't of them. Know, but they don't they know don't anything know, about yeah. them. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. They are they just keep making mistake after mistake. I know, and that's, and that's what's the killing thing, me. That's the thing that I kind of have to look at them. I'm like, who's running this company? Yeah. Like, are you out of touch with everything that happens in this industry? Yeah. I mean, people, people seem to forget that, like, in 2018, like, the customer is the most important part. Like, the product is, is important. But the customer is just as important as the product that you're putting out. Like you need to, and you need to form and mold that product to the customer nowadays because it's it's all about what they want. Oh, because we can get anything at any time, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, with the internet, I mean, you, you can watch anything that you want. It, you know, you can you can get anything that you want within hours or a day or something like that if you want some. You know, off Amazon, you can read any book that you want. I mean, it's just like. Like, why do I go to the movie theater and pay 15 bucks or whatever to watch this movie if I can watch and read anything else that I want for cheaper that's going to tell a better story? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, the storytelling um, is is largely where they go wrong. Um, and especially, like I said, from the character perspective. Mm-hmm. They do a piss poor job yeah. of writing characters and writing villains. Well, that's their what I'm saying. Villains are writing horrible. characters, right? Whether that's a villain or a yeah. or a protagonist. I mean, their characters are bad, just straight up bad. Besides, Wonder Woman is maybe the only one that I could say is mediocre. But she even she's good. She mm-hmm. seems so good because the rest of them are such shit. Right. Um, but I mean, and, and and she just, has so few lines. Like in any, you know, it's just I don't know. They're they're. They're They're not doing like you said, mistake after mistake, right? You have, you know, Wonder Woman is literally your most successful movie, standalone movie. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't it make sense that you make her a very prominent character in the Justice League movie? Absolutely. Especially with these movements of, you know, like women in power and powerful women and, and that kind of thing. I mean, that, like, I don't like it when people just make characters to be that. But if you already have an amazing character that has been sh- has been that character since you know the since 50s in- or whatever yeah, since inception of her character she's right? always been this powerful woman you know like you need to capitalize on that you know it, instead of you know this whole well let's recreate characters into into you know powerful minorities or whatever like let's get the ones that we have and then make new characters that have that same feel you know mm-hmm. yeah I don't know. Like Warner Brothers and and DC, they're just they're just screwing the pooch, man. Yeah. And and it's sad because I mean, I like I said, I like Batman, I like Superman. The rest of the Justice League are, are okay. I mean, I, I'm start. I like Wonder Woman more than I did before. You know, her movie came out, right? Um, but she's the only one. Like Aquaman, I, I I mean, he had some cool parts. He was one of the only shining you know, shining points of that movie that I enjoyed at all. But now it looks like his origin story just doesn't (laughs) look good. So no, I don't know, man. Like it's all about that story. I mean, it really is. And they're, they're just not getting there. Yeah. And again, a lot of it comes down to just being in a rush, right? We're just going to put what is something on paper, put something on the screen Mm -hmm. and it's going to have some cool CGI in it. And that's going to sell tickets, and yeah. and it does, but it only it doesn't it doesn't sell them time and time again, right? Right. 
because you can only like fool me once right like you can only trick me into buying your movie tickets so many times before i'm like yeah it's a dc movie it's gonna be shit i'll wait for it to come out on right some streaming service like how long ago before justice league came out did we hear about justice league i mean it was just maybe like a year before it released did we hear anything about that movie coming out right but with marvel they had a 10-year plan like we knew what movies were coming out when iron man came out you know they started talking about like this is going to start building up into into this this and this we didn't we might not have known about the uh, infinity war at that point but you knew that it was starting to build into something bigger because they they did what you were talking about earlier in like occasionally like you'd see this character from another thing just show up in their thing and it's like well now we're starting to see these collections of characters and then the next movie there's like another collection of characters and you know it just kept compounding and then now we've got the whole Avengers team against against Thanos and right you know and they've been building up to that they've been they've had this plan for years and years and years and it wasn't <laughs> Just, yeah, and I think they weren't just sitting in the boardroom right? like, one day and they were like, hey, I think next year we should release this movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, I mean, I think people forget that, that they did have a very um, a very well thought out plan from the inception of, hey, we're going to start making superhero movies. Another thing that scares me is that uh, they haven't released what like phase two is like after Infinity War. I mean, we don't really have much else. That... Well, I'm sure they have a plan. I'm I, sure I, they do. But I'm just saying I want to see the reason that they're not releasing. They don't it, want to take away from Infinity War. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's going to very much depend on how Infinity War concludes. And I think if they release details, then it's kind of spoils the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like if we see, well, if there are no Spider-Man movies, we know that Spider-Man's dead. Right. Right. I mean, so they can't really do that. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of have to keep it under wraps. Like, what happens after Infinity War 2? No, I get it. I'm just, it's just, it's, I just, I'm, you know, I just want to know. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you know, I, it, it, there's one group of people or one movie franchise I don't worry about. Mm-hmm. It's that. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I don't know what they're going to do. It doesn't matter, man. They have not, they've literally, realistically not fucked up too bad in all this time. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that whatever they come out with is going to be pretty good. Yeah. You know? I mean, I have, I definitely have faith, um, but I feel like we've been shitting enough for this conversation. <laughs> let's, let's talk about something. Let's talk about something more interesting. Okay. Um, so, well, you kind of touched on it a little bit when you were talking about DC's mistakes and what they're doing wrong in their franchise. And um, I think it's one of the things that really um, defines most of, I guess, the nerdy things we like um, are all kind of have the central aspect of they all tell a good story. Yeah. Um, whether that's a video game, um, and I, you know, mo- I, I say video games. I mean, obviously, some of the, the games like uh, Counter Strike or whatever, where it's or Call of Duty, where it's like the point of the game is to fight other people. Yeah, but they're still telling they're, the story. I mean, there. they are, but it's not. It's not like Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Or it's not like a game like Mass Effect where you the, don't remember them for their story, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I, you know, I just don't. Someone I'm going to say video games are like oh, I play this game and there's no story to it. It's like, right. I get it. Pac-Man. You know. Yeah, but, but, for, but for the most part, you know, um, video games tell, a lot of them tell a very good story. Um, movies, obviously, uh, books, I mean, comic books, manga, whatever you want to, you know, whatever genre that might be. Um, art. TV shows, art. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, any even, I mean, shit, Magic the Gathering and Warhammer. Mm-hmm. Are t- card games and tabletop games tell good stories yeah they have good characters they have cool things happening um so i mean really I mean, we've talked a lot about what what dc did wrong um and what they've w- how they've kind of been going down a path um to like a very self-destructive path by ignoring the concepts and things that make a good story mm-hmm. um so i guess like let's talk a little bit about what does make a good story like what, okay. are, what are some you know 
What are some of the things, the things that stand out to you as far as like what what are the things you look for in a piece of content when you're looking for like to evaluate a story? Like what are your right, you know, and even some, you know, what are some of your favorite stories? I mean, and, and stuff like who does it best kind of yeah. thing. So, I mean, when we start, you know, thinking about what makes a good story, I mean, you look at back at, you know, fifth grade English class. I mean, what how did you how did you create an interesting story in fifth grade English class? You know, you, you start with a beginning, a middle and an end. And then usually there's going to be so in the beginning, you're introducing everything. Right. I mean, I'm not. I'm not an English major, so please don't like, please, you know, if any is, is not 100% accurate or whatever, like, please don't, <laughs> please don't send me emails about, about me being English. English is my second language. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so you have, you have the buildup in the beginning. You ha- you have, you have the introduction to the plot and you have the characters. Yeah. Um, you usually have the origin of something. You know, so you know why are they there? What what's putting them into this conflict? Um, and then in the middle, that's usually where you're going to find your your climax. I mean, that's where well, that's, that's where, where your your story develops, right? Yeah, like every, I mean, you take what you've introduced and you develop it. Yeah, somehow you you make it deeper. You make it richer. You. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know it changes it evolves it adapts right and you know you get to the, like you said the climax where and then yeah right at the end of that is where you hit that climax and it's like you can, and that's the point where you can't stop reading you right. can't stop watching this movie you it's can't stop watching the right? show yeah. because it's just there's just too much like you're so invested in it at this you sh- point you should be you so should in- be so invested in it at if this they've point they've done a good job that uh, you have to know what happens you have to know. You know uh, what, what what's going on with this this gauntlet that Thanos is running around with. You have to know, um, you know what uh, you know what All Might is going to do to defend you know humanity or whatever in this instance. You know you've got to figure out what that alien is going to do. Are these are all these people on this ship going to die or is the alien? you know, going to somehow get sucked in outer space or what, what, how in the world are they going to beat this thing that's single-handedly killing everything in there? You know, there's everything has been building up to that moment. Um, and then you got your ending. I mean, you know, at the ending, you find out what happens from that climax. You usually have everything kind of slow down a little bit after that point. Um, and then you have the resolution of everything, you know, what, uh, you know, what's going to happen next is, is this the end you know, right. is there going to be another uh, another film or book after this? You know, you hit, you have that, and if it's good storytelling, and there is going to be another book, they keep you on the hook. Yeah, you're, you're sitting there like, damn, I got to go watch the next one. You know, I mean, yep. I can't tell you how many Marvel movies I've I've finished, and I'm like, shit, like I need to watch the next another one. Now. Two years, yeah. yeah. You know, so I mean, that's that's where you start with good storytelling is you have that basis. You have you have these hooks that just keep you coming back. And it's not just them throwing a bunch of information at you throughout the whole thing with no tempo. You know, it's just there, there is a very set um, speed to everything. And there's a reason why stuff slows down at certain points and speeds up at other points. And, you know, it's part of keeping you entertained. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's what it's all about, right? I mean, is, is maintaining, that entertainment value because once you're not entertained anymore they've lost you well especially you know and that's even more um 
more valid in in modern times. I mean, yeah. Because guess what? If you if if you slowed down too much and too many times, and you're not giving me any good information or whatever, I'm on my phone. I'm on my phone 100 percent of the time. Yeah. And and that's that wasn't necessarily a risk 20 or 30 years ago, you know. But yeah. now that's like that's a very real thing, right? You've got to be more entertaining mm-hmm. than, than whatever somebody might find on social media or on Reddit or whatever they might do on their phone. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a, you know, at times can be a pretty tall task. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for me, a good story always starts with good characters. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I mean, that is the most important part. You know, it it really is. And I think, um, and when I say a good character, I guess I, I don't, and a lot of people, I think simplify what a good character might mean. Right. Um, just because they can do cool things or, you know, like somebody like Superman is just super strong. Mm-hmm. does all this cool shit. To me, that doesn't that's not really a good character. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm looking for somebody that's that's multidimensional. Right. That it's not just I'm super I'm super powerful. Right. Mm-hmm. That's all I do. Um, they've got to have some conflict. Right. Because right. and I think that always is the driver for me, at least when I really like a character is whatever their their conflict is or th- that is really well demonstrated. Mm hmm. Um, and that you can feel it, right? Because it's such a human thing to go through that, like, even, you know, everybody in their everyday lives, like, has some sort of conflict. Oh, yeah. You know, um, and, and that's why I think, you know, relationships are also a big part of, of good characters. Mm-hmm. Love, and, you know, I mean, in almost everybody, uh, every story, good story we have, we have some kind of love story, right? Yeah. You've got Aragorn, uh, you know, in, in Lord of the Rings. Um, and Elrond's daughter, I'm blanking on her name. Liv Taylor. Liv Taylor. I know, I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, you know, you've got in, in Spider-Man, you've got Mary Jane, right? Um, yep. Clark Kent and whatever his little Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm a terrible fan right now. I'm blanking on everybody's names. Um, you've got, That's what happens when you get put on the I spot. Know, no. And you've got Goku and Chi-Chi, right? I mean, I mean, yeah. literally, think about every good character you know. Um, they've, they've got that... that some kind of love interest or know. some kind of bond, you know, yeah, yeah, I mean, even if it's, be... even if it's, you know, two bros, I mean, you got Krillin and Goku, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like the, your relationships, right? I mean, it's not just a necessarily love relationship, right. but it's, it's a relationship, a strong relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a very good example, you know, Krillin and Goku. Um, what are some other good ones? Um, uh, Gimli and Legolas. Yeah. Right. I mean, Tony Stark and, and Peter Parker in the, in the latest, yep. you know, like that father Avengers figure. Movie. Like, I mean, it's yep. just, and that's you know that's completely different than the stuff that we'd been seeing out of Marvel. You know yep. they 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 brought in um, you know two characters that weren't typically in that same role. You know Peter Parker, one of his biggest things is that he lost his uncle, so he ne- he didn't have that father figure. Mm-hmm. But in this one now he's got he's got some sort of father figure and a really hot aunt. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean realistically, you know it's those relationships again that everybody can relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, because at some point in everybody's life, you've probably had somebody that you've been really close to, or you've had a friend that was, you know, you had a really strong bond with, or um, a parent, or you know, a significant other, something, right? And you can really experience those emotions with the character because right. you've gone through something similar, mm-hmm. um, you, you know. And I think being relatable again, being multidimensional, where you have good and bad, and and, and I think that, like I said, the conflict to me is a big one because I think everybody goes through something where you're you're debating morality and you're debating right from wrong and mm-hmm. what should I do in this situation, you know? And 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 it's even amplified typically in movies because whatever that character making the decision over is probably much more serious than whatever yeah. you've dealt with in your life. But mm-hmm. regardless, you can 
even though it's it's um, somebody trying to decide what to do that might impact the fate of the world, mm-hmm. that kind of decision making, you've still gone through something like that. So even though that situation is a little more serious, but you still understand to some degree. Absolutely. And you can almost, and it almost amplifies it, right? Because you're like, shit, man, I, I couldn't debate. I was debating whether to cut this guy off in traffic. And he's over here deciding that, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people might die. Mm-hmm. And you even more, and because of that, you're like, you know, you even more buy into what's happening. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, an, I mean, another, uh, you know, type of character that's kind of interesting is, you know, like the Punisher, or not Punisher, I'm sorry, Predator and Alien. Like, you don't know anything about these characters for yeah, most of the point. movie, you know, but they're still really interesting because they give you these little tidbits and they hook you. It's like, well, what the heck is this? You know, what's yeah. going on here? You know, I keep seeing all these scenes where, you know, there's this thermal and, you know, and they're, you know, they're watching what's going on. And, it, you know, and then you got these scenes where you've got the predator jumping from tree to tree all his nimbly tell, bimbly. His telltale shimmer. <laughs> yeah. And then, you you know, you've got Alien just kind of like crawling through the, the bulkheads and, you know, just creeping along. And occasionally somebody just gets murdered, but you still you still barely see anything with it. You know, it's it, this character. You don't have to have a lot into a character no. to make them interesting. You don't have to have the love interest and everything, but you've got to write it right. You know, you have yeah. to you have to create that suspense. It depends on the type of character, right? Yeah. Like, um, and that goes back to pacing a lot, you know, as having that correct pacing mm-hmm. and knowing when to give information. Information. And I think that miss, I guess, you know, those characters are, are normally bad guys. Let's yep. be real. Mm-hmm. The good guy is never usually the mystery. No. Um, so it's usually some kind of um, antagonist that you're seeing that's, you're getting bits and pieces mm-hmm. of and you're trying to figure out like, well, what's the real story? What's this thing doing? Where yeah. does it come from? How's it doing that? You know? Um, and I think, but that mystery in general, like that's one of my favorite, favorite things about any story is when you have to, you're learning not necessarily just from the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Like they're not just spoon feeding you. That's an alien, you know, like, right. like, you know what I'm saying? You, you're by just visuals, by mm-hmm. things that are happening. You're learning and piecing together information. Sauron's a good, another good example of that too. Cause I mean, you do, they do tell you a little bit about Sauron, it, well, but you really, the extended edition, you yeah. really don't know that much about him though. Like, I mean, they, they talk Not, about yeah. little things, but you know, before you really get to learn anything about Sauron, you see the scene of him fighting, you know, the elves. And I think that's in the uh, in the extended edition, right? Is that only in the extended edition? You know, I've watched the extended edition. I know so I haven't seen the regular I really, one. I don't really know if you haven't if you haven't watched the extended editions. That you should be to. the only one you're watching. <laughs> really. Yeah, I mean that's the movie to me. I mean there is no unextended versions anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, you're right. You see him fighting the elves and wrecking face. And then, I mean, realistically, that's the last, right? You hear that he created these rings. Right. And then that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. And he's a mystery enemy, but he's like the scariest dude in the whole world, you know, and you don't really know anything about him. I mean, is he just some sorcerer? Is he just, you know, the leader of the bad guys or is he a, a demon? Is he a god? You know, like, what is this guy? And, and unfortunately, really, in the story of Lord of the Rings, you never really find out. Yeah. Yeah, you have to read the Similarian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, which, again, but that all goes into why are those, especially Lord of the Rings and Tolkien's universe, like why are there such good stories? And it's because that information, while it's there and while it keeps you interested, you don't need it. No. Like, he gives you what you need, but enough to keep you like, well, what is this thing? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's that balance of I know enough to understand the things that are transpiring, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily know enough to where all this is boring. Well, also, the world is a character in its own. 
in Tolkien. Yeah. You know, in in Star Wars, the the whole universe is is a character of its own. I mean, it's you know, there's all these little things that are happening um, in addition to these grand schemes. You know, mm-hmm. there's you know, you get little scenes like the um, you know the bar scene. Um, you know, Tat- Isla, yeah. and you know, you, you, you get, you get the same scene in like star Wars where, you know, they go into the, you know, the bar there or whatever, whatever the cantina, called, the cantina. What were you sorry. talking about? What were you talking about before in Lord of the Rings? Yeah. And Lord oh, of the so Rings. So like in Brie or whatever. Yeah. 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 So you, pony. you get to see like these little things that are happening within the world and it's not just everybody's like, Oh my God, like doom is coming. You know, you get yeah, they have feel, no idea, yeah, right? You get this feel of like there's a living world, you know, in these worlds, and it's not just everything is about the ring, and every not everything is about Jedi. Like people don't care about Jedi, and you know, in in the cantina, you know, until somebody pulls out a lightsaber. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's uh, having having these different worlds and having a lot of character to them and and giving you something more to think about other than just the characters that that they're showing you you know thinking about all the different alien races that are that are yeah. in the Star Wars universe and well and, and if i look at the things in general that are my favorite um like i don't know what the, my favorite category or my favorite types or well what would you even call it like not my favorite stories but my favorite universes my favorite like fandoms i guess mm-hmm. you know are based on the ones that have that feeling yeah that where this isn't just um a small little story like two hours we're done with it mm-hmm. um you know and i've mentioned before like world building like you what you're talking about like if they do a good job of building a world like i'm in yeah um and it's one of the reasons you know i like berserk so much because by the end of that there's so many things going on there's you know a lot of these like like you said, things where I've got a little bit of detail, mm-hmm. but I'm still left wondering, like, what the hell's going on with this guy? Yeah. You know? Um, and there's a lot of things going on in the background. Um, Where'd all these demons come from? Right. Like, <laughs> what's going on with this? You know? Um, so there's a lot of things like that that gets me drawn in. And now I want to know, like, okay, I've got these good protagonists or whatever, but, like, what's the rest of the world like? Mm-hmm. They're going to go to these other places, do these other things. There's so much more to see. Um, and a lot of times when you get these smaller scale movies or stories, they just feel they're self-serving. Like there's a, there's a smaller serving size, which mm-hmm. is like, okay, I've consumed everything that is this. Right. When, when you leave and you're not asking questions, you're, you're, you're basically done with it. You know, um, in the Marvel universe, you know, they, they have all of these, these little, these little tidbits of things, you know, when the, when the, um, infinity stones started popping up, yep. you know, there were these tiny little tidbits, these? You, get, yeah. you know, and, and, and if you didn't know anything about the infinity gauntlet, like that gives you something to really wonder about, like these things are crazy powerful where a human can't even just hold it. It's, it's that powerful. What is coming next? Like what is going to happen when all these things are together? Mm-hmm. You know, is anybody actually going to be able to hold these things or is somebody going to have to build a gauntlet to throw them all in? <laughs> you know, um, it just gives you, it, it gives you questions to ask. And when you, when you start asking those questions and you start digging deeper, especially when you, you can talk about these things with your friends, you're building the world yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're adding on to that world that you've just witnessed. And some of those things might never get answered. And that's fine because it leaves you with wonder it leaves you a reason to keep thinking about it yeah i mean yeah um and you discuss it right i mean in i don't know that i necessarily agree that it's a good thing that there's no answers no i'm not saying that that's always a good thing but i'm saying that that some things can be left like that i mean there's things that need to be answered like 
Who is Snoke? <laughs> Who is Snoke? <laughs> like, uh, God, that fucking We won't movie. go down that, that rabbit hole. That again, fucking but... movie. Yeah. Um, but I mean, really, I mean, there there's things that need to be answered. And I don't think that, that overarching plot points should never be answered. But those little things... Um, I think that some of those some of those little things are okay. You know, what you know, little mysteries are okay. But if it's it's if it's a major plot Connecting point, point, yeah. Um, you know, and it's about a major character, right? Like you know, we need to know these things, right? Um, but yeah, I, I, again, they don't have to give everybody a license plate and a driver's license mm-hmm. and tell me what their address is. You know, I don't think that makes sense either. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think in general. I, it's got to be a good balance, right? Right. When you build these these good characters like we talked about, um, you have to... I mean, to be honest, I think the right word is be fair. Like, yeah. don't build this awesome character and then just leave us hanging in the dark. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll bring up an example of what I mean by, like, the little tidbits. Like, in some of the Avengers movies or whatever, you kind of see, like, Black Widow and Captain America, like, flirt a little bit. But then you never really see anything else from that. So... You've got this narrative that's like, are they like actually flirting? Is this like, is this like, you know, like, are they uh, like, um, you know, what is it? What do they call it? Uh, is that his work wife? You know, yeah. I'm saying, you know, like those kinds of things. Like, is there something more to that? Are we going to see more about that later? You know, those kinds of like little things that uh, that add that just add to that story. And and I don't I, you know, that's not that's one of those things where I don't really care if I ever find out, you know, if they were. A thing, you know. I don't really care if Captain America, you know, starts liking, you know, Black Widow, or or if that even means anything. But you have those little those little tidbits in the story that just make again just just make you ask questions. You know, I agree completely. I mean, like I said, I mean, the the my interest in the world is always spurred by when they do a really good job in that. introduction phase of making me ask a bunch of questions Mm -hmm. but the right questions right like not who is this guy and why is he here but like where does he come from who's that guy why are they what's this planet like you know what i mean like you know that kind of stuff um but yeah so i mean we talked a little bit about tolkien um and how he does such a fantastic job i mean talk about world building like that is the prime example Mm -hmm. i mean it's down to he's written the freaking languages um you can speak elf if you want um you know that's just insane (laughs) it is insane i mean when you you spend a little bit less time on that and a little bit more time writing more stories about lord of the rings (laughs) but that's all right i mean that was i mean that's why he was just such a fantastic writer though is because he completely immersed himself in what he was what he was writing you know he he took it seriously but he he gave himself you know everything that he needed to make it right, right. And if if writing an entire language is is his way of making it right, then so I'm it. not I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> yeah, but one of the things that you know is interesting, I, I, and I don't know this for fact. Maybe you you do, but he did he start the trend of different like the different races in fantasy worlds. I mean, he pretty much is considered the godfather of fantasy. Of fantasy. Um, you know, there there are some tales from from years and years and years ago. Um, you know, during the medieval times or whatever that that you had stuff that might resemble an ogre. Or, you know, obviously dragons were, cons- you know, something that was, you know, thought of as, as an actual truth. Um, you <laughs> know, when they found dinosaur bones and stuff like that, they if thought only, that those man. were. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he is pretty much the godfather of all of that. And, you know, and he, and he wrote this stuff, you know, back in the 20s, I think is when he wrote it was Lord of the World Rings. War, after World War One, yeah. You know, so, I mean... <laughs> 
you know, he he create. I mean, he created genres on his own, basically. Which is just insane to me to think, right? That someone could like think about all the things that the fantasy genre encompasses today. Oh right? yeah, I mean, Lord of the Rings. Um, you know, Dragon Age. I mean, you know, RuneScape. The Witcher. I mean, I mean I, yeah, yeah. I mean, Dragonlance. Freak Magic: The Gathering. <laughs> I mean, even Warhammer. I mean, literally, how many things center around the fantasy genre? Yeah, and that was one guy. And the races that he brought together. Like I said the you know? one guy. Yeah. You know, um, like I couldn't imagine if I just wrote some stories in the next couple of years, and all of a sudden, in in a hundred years, like that was just you know one of the main genres of film. Oh yeah, or story or whatever you want to consider it. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think he'd be really proud of what has come from what he you know created, what he yeah. created. I would agree. Um, but anyways, yeah, you mentioned like the races, and I think that's one of the things that really defines the fantasy genre. Um, and and there's a lot of because they're all very different. Mm-hmm. You know, there. I, I, in, in you know, if we were to consider the races a character, they're all very individual. Yeah, they all have different motivations and different. And and, and even then, it's kind of cool because if you consider each of the races a character, but then they all have individual characters too. Yeah, absolutely. You just add this another level of depth to it, where it's like, yeah, you can assume an elf is, um, you know, a little bit. They've got their nose turned up, and they make really good weapons. And, yeah, and they're and, a little bit greedy. And, yeah, yeah, right. And and but then you're like, but then they love to drink. <laughs> right, right, and you've got that, but then you you narrow it down, and maybe this elf does something a little different, right? Specifically, this yeah. one. Um, so I think that's kind of cool because it adds a really good dynamic, and and you get this really broad range of character potential. Mm-hmm. Um, even you know, I mean, the like the Hobbit movies or the books or whatever, it's a great example because you've got dwarves, but they're all really different. Oh yeah, every single one. But of they them all is also embody the core, like one of the core um, elements of what makes a dwarf a dwarf. Yeah, right. They're not just like random personality traits they're all kind of spawning from the things that are essential traits to the race yeah absolutely which i think is really cool right um but yeah i mean so out of all of the races um that you'd see in fantasy i mean so we've got elves we've got dwarves um ogres goblins i mean i guess lord of the Rings specific you've got uruk i mean dragons if you want to consider that a race yeah. you've got ints in lord of the rings um i'm tree people you know mm-hmm. somewhere else and then i mean even within the elves you have different types yeah, of elves. wood elves dark elves yeah. high elves i mean yeah I mean, you got, I mean, humans, you know, I mean, they're, you know, the human race is the, you know, it's, it's, it's generally the same as what we've got going on now. But again, everybody's completely different. You know, the, their motives are very different. Like, you know, what Aragorn, you know, feels versus Baromir. Yeah. Versus Baromir about the ring by itself. You know, what they, what, what they want from the ring, um, what they think that the ring if they if they feel the ring is going to bring them power or something like that, it's, it's very different. Even though, like generally, if you're just going to talk about humans, you would say that most humans are going to want that ring, you know. But you've got all these subsects of humans that don't want anything to do with that ring. They want <laughs> they want to be the guy that throws it in the in, in Mount Doom, you know. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of some more. I mean, you got you, you know you've got the halflings. Or, um, what are some more races? Um, I mean, with within you know the goblins and orcs, you've got like hobgoblins. Um, you you know you've got like races that are that are like mixed races where you've got like humanoid dragons. You've got um, I mean, the genre really is just really... Yeah. If we're talking about fantasy in general, it's pretty just broad, right? Yeah. Um, because there's not just... In Lord of the Rings, it might be limited, but then you open it up to another universe. Um, you know, 
and it could be like you said half dragon half people like we don't mm-hmm. see that in you know game of thrones but right. it doesn't mean it doesn't exist in another fantasy universe yeah, absolutely and you got stuff like tieflings which is like a, a a humanoid demon thing i mean i don't even really know a whole lot about those but they're <laughs> they've got their own little thing going on you and then you've got uh i can't even remember what they're called but basically like a, an angel and a human kind of mixed I mean, you've got angels, you've got uh, wizards, you know, which in Tolkien's universe are not, they're not humans, like typically. No, and you think they are, right? So that's yeah. one of my favorite misconceptions that people have about Tolkien's universe when they've mm-hmm. just seen the movies or even just read, honestly, even if they've read Lord of the Rings. Right. You assume that the wizards are just humans that know how to use magic. Yeah. And they're not at all. <laughs> no, not even close. Um, so, and that, so, but if you had to pick, I mean, of all this stuff, I mean, what would you, what would you pick as your favorite? Excluding dragons, because like I don't consider that a race. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I, mean, they're more, they're I don't more, think that that's fair to just people. pick them. Um, well, I mean, uh, you know, that depends on. That well, depends I guess on small. Because, you know, yeah, I mean, I small say, did have you know quite. He was essentially. I mean, it, depending on the genre of fantasy that you're thinking about, I mean, they're more they're more being like sentient beings than humans are. You know, I mean, some of them are extremely smart. Um, you know, you got uh, Dragonheart. I mean, you know, Sean Connery. Made an awesome dragon. Don't yeah, don't, don't no, watch any old, yeah. don't watch any of the movies after that. But the first one <laughs> is, <laughs> is pretty decent. Um, but I'm going to exclude dragons because they're just too cool. Um, I would have to go with elves. They've just always they're OP. Which you know, I mean, that's always going to have a little place in my heart because I like to win. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, elves, you know, they've just got they've got everything that a human can do. They can do better. You know, it, it's kind of interesting. You know, they live these long lives you know in Tolkien's universe they're they're nigh immortal um you know they they basically live forever um they uh they're really agile they're really dexterous they're they're amazing with weapons um you know the Legolas I mean he just he he can't miss you know I mean it's they've got they got everything going on they're they're you know their mages are are amazing at everything that they do and they're they're generally going to be more powerful than the other ones. You know, they've just got so much going on, but they have flaws. You know, their pride I say their hubris is one, right? Their yeah. pride is one of their their most, you know, their most obvious features, but it's also one of their greatest weaknesses. You know, they can't see that a lower race would be able to help them with something. Right. You know, they can't see that that dwarves just because they're you know dirty guys coming out of out of caves and they they do all the digging and you know they bring them their gold and their weapons and stuff like that they don't see the the true value in what they do provide you know so i think that that's a really interesting aspect of them um and then again you know like i said you've got different versions of elves um i typically like the high elf style which is you know kind of the more regal elves um you know they're more you know uh, they're more like the nobility nobility and whatnot um and then you've got the wood elves and they typically live in the woods and they're you know kind of your hippie elves you know they they care about nature um they want to protect the woods um they want to keep people out of the woods um and then you got your dark elves which um in a lot of in a lot of cases are pretty stereotypical um you know they're the evil elves that all they want to do is is kill all of humanity and all the other elves and enslave them and and, uh, you know, take them back underground with them. But then you've got elves like Dritz Duorden um, from the uh, Dark Elf trilogy, who is one that breaks the chains. You know, he 
he leaves all of the dark elves, you know, in the in the underdeep, and he comes up, um, you know, to the surface world and tries to do good. You know, he doesn't like what he's seeing down there, so he wants to be a better person. And he is more of a, you know, kind of a down-to-earth kind of elf, you know, because he he can... He can see the humanity in other people, but he's still an elf. So sometimes, you know, he's still doing these overpowered things, um, you know, being the best at at everything that he does, (laughs) you know, and, uh, you know, they they just provide a lot of variety within the whole, you know, pointy ears. Yeah. So like when you're playing a role-playing game or you're playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons or do you typically play an elf? Um, I used to always play elves. Um, like when I first played Final Fantasy Eleven, I played an Elvon, which is an, an elf. elf. Yeah. Um, a non trademark right. elf. Yeah. <laughs> um you know, in a lot of games I used to always play elves. Um, like when I first played Warhammer Fantasy, um, my first one of my first armies was wood elves. Um, but I've kinda gotten away from it. it and I still do love elves, but most of the time I like being a human. And I don't. I, I think it's just because in most games they're very balanced. I was going to say normally that's my biggest complaint when I'm playing a video game is that creating a race typically doesn't make sense from a mm. from a min maxing point of view. Right. Like you're losing too much by picking a race for yeah. whatever benefit you get. Um, whereas I typically think the humans have more balanced statistics and it just makes for a better gameplay experience, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because I mean realistically the biggest difference is maybe the story is a little different if you're a different race or, mm-hmm. or the aesthetics of it right but right. um but i agree i mean it's hard for me in a video game to pick much else but human yeah um yeah i mean elves are cool man i i think um they've grown on me honestly recently in the last uh maybe year or so um typically and, and honestly is a lot to, a lot to do with the lord of the rings because you have a lot of badass elves in the lord of the rings oh yeah before that i always you know when i was younger i mean I always I always assigned elves like more feminine properties Mm -hmm. you know they always had really long hair and they were always worried about i felt like how they looked and how they dressed they're always considered beautiful yeah and it was just kind of their their skin shimmered a little bit yeah (laughs) so it almost just felt a little feminine to me Mm -hmm. always um and i guess that's still present in lord of the rings but then you see legolas you know put three arrows through three guys eyes and about three seconds and it yeah. makes you reconsider that a little bit um you know but for me i was always whenever i i guess i go back to when i would play dungeons and dragons when i was probably in middle school and um i would always play a dwarf and in and, and the dwarfs in, at least in the depiction of the art for dungeons and dragons looked a little different than the art uh, or what you see in like lord the lord of the rings movies mm-hmm. they're short but they're also like built oh, they're yeah. not just like short little fat guys yeah with axes mm-hmm. they're like broad-shouldered, little short balls of muscle. Right. Um, which I always... Obviously, I like that aesthetic a little bit. Not mm-hmm. the short part, but so much. But um, And I also like that they were... They're typi- like little tanks. I mean, That's they're- what I was going to say. They were always really tanky, right? Which... If I typically, if I play an MMO or some kind of role-playing game, like I'm typically playing a tank, a tank class. Mm-hmm. Um where I don't have to worry about, you know, you can hit me as much as you want. It's not going to, it's not going to phase me. Right. That's, that's also my favorite class has always been the tank class. Yeah. I don't, I'm not really a big, um, glass cannon fan, you know, which I feel like that's in most, let's be honest, most classes at this point in most video games have been boiled down to, you either can take a lot of damage, but you don't hit that hard or you deal a shitload of damage, but you're going to die real quick. Right. There's really no in between anymore. It's kind of one thing or the other, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, obviously then you have the healer class, but I mean, the, that's just boring. You just get your girlfriend to play the game. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just run macros or something. Yeah. Have it, have, you know, log into two accounts and have the, the healer spam you spells. Know, that's funny. I'm going to jump into a quick little story about that. So, 
you know, I used to play Final Fantasy XI um, a lot. And with, I used to play it with some of my friends here locally. And one of my buddies, Keith, he would hit, he started playing before I came home from Iraq. So he had a bit of a head start from me. And for some reason, he loved playing healers. Really? So we would play. And were you just basically invincible? Yeah, basically. But we would play and we would like level up together or whatever in the game. And so he'd he'd sit there and he'd get on you know his healer class or whatever. And I'd get on some kind of tank or, or a, a melee. Usually it was like a tank class or whatever. And, and we'd play together and sometimes like I'd go over his house like in the middle you know the middle of the night or whatever and we'd play until like you know five o'clock in the morning or something like that well he's notorious for falling asleep <laughs> and so I remember one night I'm I'm playing I was playing as a dragoon which is kind of a uh, it's a melee class um, and in Final Fantasy 11 you had like a little wyvern and you had like a big lance and you were kind of like a little a knight but knight, you didn't yeah. have a you didn't have a whore you had a chocobo but um, so I'm cool sitting here playing nice. and 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 I'm like dude like why are you not healing me and I look over he's just and sleeping. he's just just knocked out and I'm like trying to wake him up and I just can't wake him up so where we played like my desk was like right next to his desk so I could reach over and push his macros and stuff like that. <laughs> so and so for like macros. five hours, I'm sitting here running my character, and then I'm reaching over and healing myself with his character. <laughs> and uh, it, I mean, it was just hilarious. And, you couldn't what, have just woken him up. I, I couldn't wake him. He he is a beast to wake up. Like I don't I don't know what the deal is, but he does not like to wake up. And and I, I know I woke him up at least one time, but he just fell like right back. Like he's he did this whole like yeah yeah I'm, yeah I'm, 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 I'm cool I'm. And then he started playing for a few minutes, and then you know his head just starts you know rolling back. And but it was it's funny because in Final Fantasy Eleven, one of the most important spells that anybody can cast is haste, okay. and it it just makes you attack faster. But it's like you know in a game where damage per second yeah, is the most it's important thing. Relevant, yeah. So usually you cast it on the tank. Um, well, I wasn't doing that. Like if I'm playing two characters, I'm not casting. <laughs> so it was, it was funny because basically we didn't need a tank because I just kept casting haste on myself and I would get, you know, I would get, uh, aggro of the the mob and i would just sit there and, and pound heels on myself <laughs> until we finally killed the thing but hey anyway it just kind of it reminded me of that story there with the the healers and no we'll yeah get back absolutely. to talk about dwarves though because it's funny because keith his favorite character are dwarves too so that's kind of kind of fitting um, but uh yeah i really like dwarves dwarves it, it's a race that i've never played in anything but i've always loved them like every time that i think about playing warhammer um, and picking like a about, new army or something like that. Dwarves. I'm like, man, I should play dwarves this time. And I, I don't know why, but I, I never do it. But it's because it's, they're not OP enough for you, Chris. I don't think that that. I don't think that's, that's it. Don't that's lie. Don't lie. I don't think if it, that's if the it's case. not a, if it's not a class that you think you can abuse <laughs> and win, you're just gonna pass. I think it's just because they lean, especially on games like Warhammer, they lean a little bit too far into just tanky. And that's just not nearly as fun. Like in Warhammer, rolling a bunch of dice, like doing burst kill, damage, yeah, I mean, to kill stuff is much more fun than rolling a bunch of dice to make sure you don't die. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're making armor saves and stuff like that. Like I guess that's cool, but like well, the, the outcome is never what you want it to be. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I really like doors. I, I love the aesthetic of doors with these giant beards and the you know the, the giant hammers, the puffy red cheeks yeah. and giant noses, and you know they're always laughing and you know, but but they're just as happy you know 
putting back some beers as they are, you know, swinging axes and hammers, and you know they're always really armored. And That's what I mean. Have, like the like fact the that they're such and, skilled, you know, weaponsmiths and armorsmiths, and and like the whole the idea of. Um, you know, being in a mine and, and, you know, sitting on a pile of gold. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, think about when they walk through Moria, right, in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Like, and that is crafted by dwarves. Yeah. And it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, just marble and stone everywhere. These massive pillars and grand hallways and, and all this stuff, right? And that's that's dwarves, you know. They built, and I guess, and you look at the elves in Lord of the Rings, you're like, yeah, they built some tree houses. Cool. <laughs> You know, but these guys have bored out the inside of a mountain. Right. You know, and, and I think that's a lot cooler of an aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I like, mean, and their, and their, um, their home represents them, too. It's this hard, hardy rock. Yeah. You know, it's 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 close to the earth. You know, it's it's uh, you know, it's powerful. It's defensive. It's um, and, and in its own way. it I mean, it is beautiful. Like when you look at. These things that they have created on their own. I mean, even Smog, right? I mean, even he accumulates that treasure afterwards, right? Or does it? Does he take that? No, he takes that from them. That's yeah. what I thought, right? So yeah. I mean, think about all that. He's sitting on a. He, there's so much gold that it's covering a dragon. Yeah, he's <laughs> doing ducktails and sleeping in the gold. Right, right. <laughs> Rolling around it and stuff. Yeah. So I mean, think about that. You know, those riches and in the industry and. Mm-hmm. And you get to see some of the forges and stuff, and I think that's a really cool thing. You know, even in um, even in Infinity Wars, yeah, who makes the Infinity Gauntlet? Yeah, a freaking dwarf, you know, <laughs> um, a literal dwarf, pun intended, I guess. There, but um, but I thought that's really cool that they're like they, you know, and I guess in Lord of the Rings it's a little different. They're not necessarily making the best, you know. Elven weapons are really good, obviously. Yeah, but dwarf what dwarven weapons are are considered well, some mithril of the best armor, too, right? Yeah, I, I mean, mean, can't break that shit. Yeah, and it's light, you know, it's like wearing feathers, but it's impenetrable so yeah (laughs) so i think that's you know i've always loved that that kind of aspect of it yeah Um, i mean they're you know and and a lot of them are not usually like magic users either they're they're usually all about that brute force yep and just yeah, there's getting no stuff tricks. done. Yeah. You know? You know, and that was one of the things that I liked when I was playing Dungeons and Dragons. It was like I didn't have to worry about spells and all this shit. It was just like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna run up and hit that thing in the face with an axe. So what kind of what kind of dwarf did you play? Oh man, I don't know. It's been so long. Like class? Yeah. Probably soldier or whatever. Okay. I don't know. I, I, honestly I couldn't even tell you the classes anymore. Yeah. It's been it's been that I think it was like third second or third edition I played. Okay. So if you're playing second edition, that's that's really early. It might have been third then. Yeah, probably probably third. That's when I think that's when a lot of people like it became a, a little bit more mainstream was third edition. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean I couldn't even tell you, but I know I was just mainly melee focused. Right. Yeah, um, it's always been me too. Like I've always had an appreciation for mages and stuff like that. Um, because they always they tend to have that burst damage and they yeah like in Diablo right it's yeah like, you know especially Diablo too it's like you get up there you're gonna be killing a lot of shit but you better not get hit yeah I mean and think about <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons I mean one of the most the you know the most talked about spells is Fireball you know right. I mean it's like um you know they're known for just putting out crazy damage but. It's just never. It's just never really appealed to me because they wizards don't tend to take like those leadership roles. You know, I mean, you might have one that's like behind the scenes, like manipulating things, but they're generally not the general of the mm-hmm. army or whatever. Um, you know, so like I like to have classes like paladins and paladins and, is one of my you favorite. know like a warrior priest kind of thing where you've got like a a, a healer cleric 
but like he has some magic powers but it's really about his ability you know with the hammer and that kind of thing um and then i even played like a one of the campaigns that we did i played a dragoon um you know it's kind of, i kind of made up my own class but i used um the ranger i was gonna say um, or some beast master yeah yeah um so like they let me have like this little little dragon and it was like a baby a baby wyvern or something like yeah. that and and its stats were pretty actually pretty similar to like a bear or something like that so it wasn't very far off um and there were rules for uh being able to use like a like a spear type weapon um and it was it, it was a pretty fun class to play. Unfortunately, that that campaign didn't last super long. But my character was really awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of the, if no one's ever played Dungeons and Dragons, that's one of the best things about it is if you get with a good group of people and you have a good understanding of the rules, there's really not a limit to what you can do. No, um, you know, as long as everybody you're playing with agrees that whatever you're choosing to do is within the bounds of the game. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to say you can't do it. Right. Um, you know, like making up a different class. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Assuming you're not just OP or way underpowered. You right. know, I mean, you know, as long as you're on par with the other classes, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and that's one of the things that I really liked about it. But also, like you said, it. the other problem I always had with D&D was the campaigns just tend to fizzle. Yeah, that's the most depressing um, thing about you know, it. I've never had a campaign where I got past like I think level six or seven is the highest I've ever gotten, and it's just it's just really disappointing because yeah, a lot of the cool stuff you get to do doesn't happen until like level ten or fifteen. Yeah, or I was something. gonna say level ten is kind of when you start really seeing the classes kind of like split in their own thing. Yeah, because before then it is really similar, right? Like you're like, okay, I'm gonna run this room and I'm gonna attack. Yeah, like that's like what the I- sword actually makes a big difference what kind of sword you have is it makes a big difference instead of like what your class, class you are yeah. yeah and yeah actually so one of the role-playing games was i played the wizards of the coast star wars role-playing game it was probably about the same time as third edition and a lot of times when we make characters for that we would go ahead and roll them up to like level 10 or 15 mm-hmm. um and honestly that part's fun because you get to pick your abilities and your feats you know and, and and your weapons and whatever you get a little bit more to work with you get the mm-hmm. cooler stuff right away um, so you automatically had that feel of I'm doing cool stuff. Um, and I thought that was a fun way to play a campaign because at the end of the day, there, there's nothing that says, again, there's nothing that says you had to start level one. No. I had a, a I have a buddy, uh, his name's Dan. He has been talking about that role-playing game for a long time. I guess there's like all kinds of things that you can do within the game. I still got my books. Um that got might the player's handbook. That might be got, something we, we look into um, sometime. Because he's been wanting to... He actually wants to DM a oh. game of that. And it's hard to... That's the hardest part of Dungeons & Dragons. It's finding somebody that wants to tell the story. Yeah. You know? Because it's, it's not... A, well, I don't want to say it's not as fun. For the average person, it's not as fun to sit behind the, the, the Dungeon DM Master table, yeah. screen. And, you have to want to be the guy pushing the buttons. Yeah. Which... And, 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 but it, there's a lot of work, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the reason most people don't want to do it. Is because you have to develop a good story. Right. You have to develop good enemies and you have to be the one to understand how all the rules interact and what your characters might do and what might be challenging for them you know you have to it's there's a lot of work that goes into that it's hard enough just to get somebody to roll a character you know like when we start a campaign you know people will show up and they're like uh i haven't finished like writing the backstory of my character it's like dude we've been talking about this for a month like, write yeah. the damn backstory for your character. Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've still got... Uh, in, it's in storage right now, I think. But I've still got the player's, the player's handbook. I've still got the Power of the Jedi source book. 
And then I think there's like a hero source book that I have also. Okay. So it's most of the major ones you would need to do anything. Right on. Um, but yeah, I definitely didn't get rid of those. Um, that was one of my favorite games I've ever played. Because there was a there was initial like um, something like Assault on Thede that was like the built-in campaign. Mm-hmm. You could play or something, and it was like episode one, and you were you know assaulting the the what the CIS on uh, the you know the battle droids and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, and it was we played that like two or three times right before we got into like doing our own little campaign. Okay, um, but that was a lot of fun. And that was probably the, you know, I like that a little bit more in D&D, obviously because it's Star Wars, so I have yeah. a little bit more of a bias there. But, um, but yeah, so I was always a dwarf. I like dwarves. Um, I can't really, I'm, it's funny because I'm, I'm starting to like elves more and dwarves less, which is weird. That is kind of weird. That, mm-hmm. Huh. That's usually you don't have like like people will say like you know I like humans or I like orcs or whatever and then they transition to one of the ones but usually when some when when people like dwarves or elves there's like like they have that animosity that the dwarves and elves have <laughs> against each other no it's yeah. kind of funny because I don't know and maybe it's just because the common representations of the dwarf are so poor of what I really envision their race as yeah. I mean, they've kind of like my, other like my than, head cannon is way cooler than what you see yeah. in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, unfortunately, the dwarves are just not that fun in in the Hobbit. Like, but they're not. They're and they're almost like jokes. Like, like most yeah. of them are like the butt of the joke. Yeah, and they're not. You know, outside of um, the leader, of, I'm blanking on his name. I'm bad with names tonight. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't in know, the Hobbit. I can't. I can't think of his name. All right, so we're both blanking. <laughs> we, we suck at this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but anyways, I mean, he's pretty cool. You know, he's kind of the badass guy. But but outside of that, the rest of the the, the dwarves that are with um, with Bilbo are just kind of like a joke. Yeah, you know, and and even Gimli is a butt of a lot of jokes. I mean, he makes up. Because he does some badass stuff, too. But again, even like their stature, they're kind of short and dumpy. And, you know, like I said, if you look at some of the D&D or, you know, other fantasy art. Thor and Oakenshield, I can't believe it. Thor and Oakenshield, yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Um, But, you know, you look at some of the other art about dwarves or whatever. And like I said, they're they're ripped up. They got massive shoulders and and pecs and abs and, you know. And these massive arms, and they're because they're they're wielding this massive axe or hammer, right. you know, and they're lugging around. I mean, they're slaving away in a forge, pounding like blacksmithing and mm-hmm. and doing all this stuff. And you see the dwarves in Lord of the Rings, you're like, that's not at all what I think of when I see a dwarf. Well, really. I think that the dwarves in Lord of the Rings is what I think of them, but the dwarves in the Hobbit are not. Okay, and I don't know why well, you only they see look one so- dwarf really, right? I mean, yeah, Gimli. I mean, you see a couple other dwarves, but Gimli, I think, looks like what I think of it. I mean, he's he's stunty. But, he's not as broad-shouldered, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, but it, again, like if you look at Thor and Oakenshield, he just looks like a he just a looks like a dude. small human yeah. with a like a big ass head, <laughs> or or at least big features on his head, you know. Um, but I think Gimli looks pretty close to what i imagine you know a dwarf looking like um yeah dwarves dwarves are uh they're definitely they're definitely different um and i think that that's another big thing that that makes them interesting is because they are so aesthetically different you know they mm. they don't look like like a human whereas like an elf i mean really i mean elf is just a really pretty human with with ears you know long See, like, ears. look at this guy he oh, looks yeah, way that. different than gimli yeah. you know He's, I mean, his arms are the size of his torso. Right. You know. Um, so I, I really like that aesthetic where they're like. So you just, like the you like the Warhammer dwarves. Though, yeah, where they're that's like what they, they're short little balls like. of muscle, right? Yeah. I mean, they're not. 
you know, elves are tall and slender and fair. And, and in Lord of the Rings, like I said, I agree that Gimli is probably the best representation of a dwarf that there is. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't look like that. Yeah. He doesn't look like he's going to rip you in two just by, you know, with his arms. Right. You know? Um, but I see both sides of it. I mean, it, it's hard to... Re- how do you make that mm-hmm. in a film? You know? And, they, and I don't even think Tolkien really represents them as that. No, I don't... I mean, he doesn't really describe them, you know, in, in that much detail where we they're, can... They're short and they're like hardy. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, he doesn't give them a, a ton of detail. Mm-hmm. At least from what I recall, so though, like you would think that they would look like the represent- representation, which you, what you just showed, which is, I mean, they just look like power lifter, you know, short power lifters, um, because I mean, a lot of them are miners. That's what I'm you saying. Know, they're they're physically laboring, right? I mean, right? How hard is it? I don't know. I mean, shit, I can't imagine swinging a blacksmith hammer over an anvil all day. Yeah, or, or lugging an axe, or, or, right? Or, or a pickaxe in the in, yeah, a in the mine. Cave, yeah, mine you know, mithril just, or mine gold or whatever, and then haul and that shit back out. Yep. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, 100%. And usually, I mean, especially in Warhammer and a lot of other lore, they're very crafty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they have little machinations and stuff, you know, to help with that, right? Yeah. Um, even in Warhammer, I think there's a race of them that, that um, have a lot of, fi- like, shooting weapons and stuff because they're kind of ahead of the technology curve a little bit, mm-hmm. um, which I always thought was kind of cool. I like that, in, you know, the ingenuity and engineering side of things yeah. that they kind of have a, a head for. So. In Warhammer, they have a lot of that. Like, they have a lot of war machines. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's that whole race, the Cadron Overlords, that, you know, they have, like, these little ships that fly, fly around in the yeah. sky and they have they have like little um like these backpacks i don't know if they let them fly or what they do but they have these little backpacks that i guess let them either jump out of the ships or something and okay um and they all have you know a bunch of them have guns and you know they they kind of have that uh that look of an you know an advanced race for for the time for the, for the setting yeah. right i 100 percent yeah so that's that's for me i don't know i mean i've never really been an orc fan i love orcs Man. I mean, okay, let me say that again. I like Warhammer Orcs a little more because they're powerful. Yeah. Um, and and they they have, they pose a real threat. Mm-hmm. When you look at Orcs, like in the typical sense, like in Lord of the Rings, like they don't. They're just like the the mob. Yeah. You know, like small yeah. little so like it's pests. Kind of, it's kind of weird because I think that, that Tolkien's Orcs are different than pretty much all the other genres of Orcs. Because I, I think agree. that Orcs in most other fantasy genres are going to follow more of what Warhammer does. They're the big and powerful. Yeah, and, big and powerful. Whereas the Orcs and Tolkien are more like goblins, and yeah, that's like, probably a like fair Warhammer thing. goblins or whatever. Where the Urukai are like orcs. what orcs would be, which looks you know, like meets back on the menu, right? right. <laughs> it's like the best line in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've always loved orcs. Um, you know, one of the armies when Age of Sigmar first came out was the uh, Iron. Jaws. Yep. Um, and I bought a bunch of that stuff when they first came out, and then I realized that I just I was at a point where I just didn't have time to to deal with painting them, and then Age of Sigmar wasn't really doing very good in the first edition, so I kind of gave up on that army. But it's another it's one that I keep looking back at, and I'm like, man, if you just had like a few more miniatures for that army, it'd be pretty cool. I would really be interested in it, but it's you know the the pickings are slim with that <laughs> army, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just I love that. That mob orc mentality where they just want they just want to fight all the time and that's all that they want to do. That's their culture, right? Yeah. The strongest wins. Yeah. I mean the biggest orc is the boss, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um and in Warhammer, um I don't know in fantasy if it's the same. I'm pretty sure it is, but the more they fight, the bigger that they get. 
Yeah, it's like, like they just continually grow as they're fighting, um, and that's how you know you differentiate them in their ranks. But like basically, you know, the bigger you are, the higher your rank is because you can hold that rank. You know, <laughs> um, so I think that that's. Really I agree. Cool. I guess I, when I say orcs, I meant like Tolkien orcs. Yeah, so you don't like goblins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, goblins would probably be. Oh, yeah, goblins like like your your magic goblin deck. That's mm-hmm. garbage. Hate them. Um, it's the most fun deck ever. Yeah, what is it? I don't, you, I don't, yeah, uh, you. Uh, it's so fast. I don't know how to stop it. But um, yeah, with that deck, as long as as long as I take somebody out before I go out, like I'm happy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't expect. Well, which to win is, the whole I mean, game, to be but... honest, that it's it's gonna happen. Yeah, like I don't think I've yet to see you play a game where you don't kill at least one person. Yeah, because you just you're able to deal that damage way before anybody else is even in a place to defend themselves. Yeah, like the other day we were playing and. And I accidentally killed two people. Like, one of them I was for sure going to kill. And the other one, I just, like, we started doing the math. And I was like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's like, three more than you have life. <laughs> and I, wasn't, I really wasn't trying to kill him. I just wanted to prove a point because he attacked me earlier. And I was just like, I was just going to be like, well, hey, you know, you're, you're going to get a little bit of this pain back. <laughs> he got a lot of it back. Um, but yeah, so those, I mean, that really pretty much sums it up. I don't, I've never really, humans are kind of boring to me. And, and when you're, it, it's like, it seems like silly. And, and when you've got a world full of all this cool stuff, like why would I be interested in the humans? Right. They're kind of just the middle, you know, boring. Well, what I think is interesting about humans and in, in like the fantasy setting though, is that it feels like. It's everybody against them. So their backs are to the wall. Yeah, a little bit. Well, I think they're seen as like the lowly beings, right? Because yeah. they're not particularly good at anything. Like, no, right. They don't have the, the affinity for magic that an elf would have. Mm-hmm. They don't have the affinity for industry that a dwarf would have. Right. Or or whatever. Um, but I do think the only thing they have going for them is this sense of morality. Mm-hmm. In like good versus evil. Like right. in any fantasy story, that's always where the humans are put on the spot. Right. Right. As you're going to have to be the one that, that leads us and tells us what to do and how to beat the bad guy Mm -hmm. and, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, whereas I think the rest of the races seem very content just to be like, no, I'm not dealing with it. It's your problem. Let's let the world, I'm going to stay over here in my mountain and I'm going to mine gold and the rest of the world can destroy itself. Yeah. Or or I'm going to hop on this boat. Yeah. The elves (laughs) are just going to leave. Right. Or, they're going to sit over in Rivendell and just chill. Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's where the humans really shine. Um, but we, we're, our, we're going on a decent amount of time. So I want to get into one more topic that I think would be really cool. Um, and outs- it's kind of similar to your favorite race, I guess. Um, but along the similar lines, um, we talked a little bit about the Joker earlier. And I mentioned that he's one of the best villains of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is, in your, in your opinion, or who is the best villain of all time? Um, in my opinion, and it's hard to really classify him as a villain because, I mean, you, you kind of said this yeah. earlier. Is he does switch sides, but then it's also, you know, again, that morality thing is Magneto. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if, if for some reason you don't know who Magneto is, he's he's the villain in the X-Men. He's the number one villain in X-Men. He's the big red and purple floating guy that, that <laughs> stops bullets midair. He controls metal. Yeah. <laughs> he is a giant um, magnet. So the thing with him is that he really, really cares about his people's survival. So the mutants. Like I was going to say really his wants, people. Let's clarify that. Yeah. He wants the mutants to, to not only survive but to strive and 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 be on top um and his greatest fear um is that the humans are going to kill them all 
because I mean, in, you know, if you watch the movies or whatever, I mean, read the comics, but that's you know, most people are going to watch right? the movies. I mean, I mean that's kind of what the humans want to do. They want to get rid of... Well, they're or, afraid, right? Yeah. They see, I mean, and in fairness, I don't know that I blame them. Yeah. If all of a sudden you had some, you know, some guy that looked exactly like you, but he could control metal. Yeah. Like, I would be scared. Or control people's minds. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, I mean, that is a very terrifying, or shoot laser beams out of their eyes or, you know, right. all these different things. I mean, if you look at the, the gambit of mutant powers, I mean, a lot of them are very terrifying. Um, I don't know if they're terrifying enough to commit genocide because, I mean, it seems like most of the mutants are good people, uh, you know, or at least trying to live normal lives. Well, I think they're just confused, right? I mean, yeah. in, in, I mean, in general, I think people are not bad inherently. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't think that, you know, if we woke up tomorrow and certain people started developing, super, you know, genetic super superpowers or whatever, that they would just all of a sudden overthrow the world and rob banks and... right. And whatever. I mean, I think there'd be a lot of people confused and not know what to do. And I mean, probably ones that would want to help fight crime. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think in general, people want to be productive and good members of society, not anarchy. But. Right. And and also, Magneto has seen the cruelty of humans since he was a kid. Yeah, I mean, he was born. That's like the crux of his character, yeah. right? He was born in the 1920s um, and he lived through World War II. Um, He was separated from his, in the movies at least, separated from his parents mm -hmm. at a concentration camp. Yep. So he was, you know, he was from a Jewish family. Um, The Nazis came in, took him away from everybody. He sees them just killing people, um, you know, and basically one day, uh, you know, he gets really mad when he sees something happen and, uh, you know, he realizes um, that he's able to manipulate metal. Um, You know, he, and he escapes, um, you know, and he kind of, he kind of does his own thing for a while while he is trying to come to terms with what he is. Um, and then he starts finding out that there's other mutants out there. There's other people with these powers and he wants to protect them because they feel like the family that he lost, you know, he, uh, well, and he's seen firsthand when, you know, what happens when humans decide we don't like this group. He's witnessed genocide firsthand, you know, um, and I mean, the whole thing about X-Men is about, you know, basically minorities, um, you know, trying to become one with all of society. You know, they want to be accepted and they want to be a, a contributing part of society. Um, and in the X-Men universe, the, you know, regular humans, they don't really often see it that way because of propaganda, um, you know, of fake news, fake news, the, <laughs> the actual bad mutants that are out there, you know, um, so Magneto comes along and, uh, you know, his best friend is Professor Xavier, who had the exact opposite upbringing. He was born rich. Um, he saw the good in people. Um, he had a family that cared about him. Um, you know, he had hope for the world. He had um, an understanding that there is a good side of humanity. Um, you know, and he could see into people's minds. He could see that you know, the people that were pure and that wanted to do good. Um, so they were kind of the yin and yang for a long time, you know, and, um, like X-Men first class. And when they, you know, they first became, um, a unit, um, you know, and he, he wanted, or professor Xavier wanted Magneto to see that they could coexist. Right. And Magneto did try to coexist he did, but every time that he started to turn a corner, a human would come along 
and ruin <laughs> and mess everything. It up. Yeah, um, and completely destroy you know destroy his his morality with humans. So he got to the point where now he wants to commit genocide and basically get rid of all the humans. I mean, he doesn't necessarily have to kill them all um, because he doesn't really go around just murdering people, but he wants them to no longer have the power. Um, And so there's many points in the X-Men universe where he kind of goes back and forth from being a villain and a good guy. Um, And one of my favorite arcs is the Onslaught um, arc, which I think I've talked about Onslaught a little bit. But basically, Onslaught is when um, Magneto kind of loses his mind and he he does start killing people. And the only way that Professor Xavier can stop him is basically by turning off his his mind and putting him into, like, basically a coma. Okay. But... Um, the side effect of him using this power and doing this is that part of Magneto's like consciousness seeps into Professor Xavier and it starts feeding into some of Professor Xavier's like evil side. Okay. And so he ends up turning into Onslaught because he, he just kind of keeps eating away at Professor Xavier and eating away at him to the point where he becomes evil. <laughs> right. And so you've got this giant, like, Apocalypse-style character um, that's actually more powerful than Apocalypse um, that's got the brains of Xavier... Um, you know, or you know, the powers of both of them combined, and you know, he's this giant, massive monster, basically. Um, and it, you know, it's it's a really interesting arc. It's not the best story ever written, but it, you know, it's kind of a, uh, I think it was a late '90s story. Um, and in the '90s, wasn't exactly the late '90s was a, a bad time for comics. Um, but I do remember reading it, you know, and it was a time in my life where you know I was like fourteen, fifteen, or whatever when I remember reading it and it was a time where shit like that was just really cool, you know? (laughs) So it's always stuck with me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, I think that he's got a lot of flaws. Um, he's got a lot of inner conflict, but he's all, you know, and that, that's not the only thing to his character. You know, obviously he's got his powers and he's got his ability to lead. Um, but I think the most interesting thing about him is, is his inner conflict and, and why he does the things that he does. Um, and you know, to him, he's doing the good. And I mean, I think that that's where a lot of like a lot of really bad people start, you know, they want to do the better thing or they want to do what is in their mind the right thing. And, you know, in their mind, it's, it's going to fix the world. Mm hmm. But in reality, it's causing a lot of harm. So, yeah, I mean, it's really... I think that Magneto's a badass. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's a great character. Um, and, I, you know, it's fun, kind of funny because I had gone back and watched First Class and, and those the newer X-Men movies mm-hmm. recently. And it really reminded me how good of a character he is. Yeah. Because um, I had kind of forgotten. I, I don't think um, the character from the, the, X, you know, the first X-Men and X2, I don't think he's nearly as well-developed as he is in the newer ones. Right. I mean, you see him in um, the Age of Apocalypse or whatever, the newest mm-hmm. X-Men movie that came out, which was a horrible movie. But he was good in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, his character was really interesting in the movie. Um, it's interesting in all of them, really. Yeah. In Days of Future Past and First Class. So it's, it's really a shame because you get to see like Magneto for who he really is is finally uh well maybe not finally i mean i guess you kind of get to see it but i feel like that was like one of the best depictions that he's had of magneto and it's wrapped up in this just terrible 
terrible story. <laughs> right. That's all right. They can't be all home runs. Yeah, you're but, right. But so, what have, about you? Who's, who's um, your Who's your favorite? And that's such a hard decision. Um, I mean, there's it, a lot of really good. I was going to say, there. in general, it's because I don't like protagonists very much. I mean, I've always liked the bad guys better than the good yeah. guys. Um, I, I usually like their attitudes better. Um, I like their th- almost their ambition better. Mm-hmm. The good guys always are reactive. Yeah. They're always the ones that are like, well, I'm just cleaning up some other dude's mess. Whereas the villains are typically like, no, I'm going to go take over the world. Mm-hmm. You know, they're doing something. Right. The vil- the hero is just reacting to what they're doing. Right. Um, and I like that. I like that um, that they aren't afraid to take what they want. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... they. They have that drive and willpower, like no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this kind of thing. Whereas the the heroes always seem like they're kind of wishy washy a lot of times, like they're second guessing themselves. Yeah, and- they're conflicted, but it actually becomes like a hindrance to them. Whereas you know the villains, they can be conflicted, but they're still gonna do what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, even like Thanos, right? I mean, he at a, at a few times in his journey, at least in Infinity War, it questions what he's doing and it mm-hmm. almost doesn't go through with it. Really, right? Right. I mean, especially with going through what he has to do. To get all of the Infinity Stones, mm-hmm. you know, there's times where he's like, he, he's not sure, but then he ends up, no, this is this is what I intended to do. Right. I got to do it, even though I shouldn't, you know. Yeah, I mean, I again, really you know, he's another he's another one of those stories where, you know, he, he believes he's, he doing, believes the right he's doing the right thing, but he's doing, he's, I mean, he, the greatest genocide, or not genocide, I guess it's not a genocide. I don't consider but the genocide, because they, yeah, they just cease to exist. Yeah, it's, I mean, the greatest destruction of life in you know in the known universe um yeah i mean he he i, I was going to say decimate but that's but really they, 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 they cease to exist wrong. i yeah. mean that's the thing right is what he's doing is not it's causing more pain to the people that are left existing mm-hmm. than to the people that cease to exist right you know it's and that's the part that he doesn't really get is that yeah ripping there's families more apart there's yeah. more natural resources that are going to be left or whatever but you're leaving people in turmoil mm-hmm. you know and that's not that's not going to be a better life. If a child than, loses their parents, right? You know, or or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I mean, Thanos is, is a good one, obviously. But um, for me, like I said, there's so many villains that like I've just been racking my brain, and it's really hard for me to like. Well, this one, this one wins. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I'll go with um, the one that. I mean, and it's going to be a stereotypical answer, and I'm sure you're going to be able to guess. But the one that I always come back to is is uh, Palpatine. Yeah, I can't. We've talked. We've talked yeah, about him at, quite at, a bit. at length. <laughs> I mean, he um, and and I really like even the older expanded universe stuff about Palpatine, um, and even what he's trying to do. Right, he's trying to bring. Yeah, again, order and justice again, he's to the galaxy, to make, right? I mean, he's trying to make the galaxy um, a better place, even though it's in his image and what he wants. It's still. Like in his vision, it's a better place, right? I mean, even like I said, the, the in in the he's got a line in um, Revenge of the Sith that you know after I think it's after they kill Mace Windu because he's a punk and he gets tossed out that window, <laughs> but um, he says, you know, after you do this, we shall have peace, mm-hmm. and it's like. Okay, so you're really justifying everything that you just did on the on the facet that now there's going to be peace, right? And I don't know that I can. Re- it's hard to argue with him because yeah. that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. They had peace, you know. Um, so I and and I just I love the um, the mystery again. We talk about telling a good story, and and Palpatine just always has this mystery, right? There's again no, kind of like a predator and alien. Where yeah, it's he's, like he's, you see he's tidbits operating of in the background, and you hear about how powerful he is mm-hmm. and what he can do, and and really, until Revenge of the Sith, you don't see any of that. You just see things. He, his plan, his diabolical plan is mm-hmm. just working. 
Yeah. Um, and then even, you know, in, in the, the original trilogy, you don't see as much with him really until Return of the Jedi. He is, kind, he is definitely the mysterious character in those right. movies where he's just like, you hear the Emperor and it's like, what is, who's that? Yeah. You don't even see him or hear about him, I don't think, in A New Hope. It's not until Empire Strikes Back that you really hear about the Emperor. Mm-hmm. You might hear like a line or two in A New Hope. Maybe Vader mentions the Emperor, but I'm drawing a blank. But he you know, he really is doesn't have a presence in any of the movies until episode five. Right. Um and even then it's like his face in a hologram and, and some very small lines of dialogue. Um And he's one of the he's one of the few characters that you ever see that his plan like works works and it comes and it comes through um you don't really see that a lot in no villains usually don't get their way no um and obviously he ends up dying um which is arguable that it should, i don't know i even go back and forth like how did vader even do that it's kind of stupid but mm-hmm. um but i mean he's just like i said i love that his whole character the whole time is just so calm and confident mm-hmm. in his abilities and his plan he knows exactly what to do all the time, right? I mean, even if you read the novelization of Revenge of the Sith, this is not in the movie, but it makes that that whole encounter with with the Jedi and makes Windu so much better. Um, that he's literally like recording audio and framing them for coming to to basically commit treason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's like, and, and, and you don't see that in the movie where they're like, "I guess we're just gonna fight." Mm-hmm. But in the book, he's like having a conversation. And the questions that he's asking, the things that he's saying, and the responses that he's eliciting, like, are he's recording that audio so he can be like, like, look, they did, like, they came to kill me. Here's what they said. Yeah. Um. And I just love that. Right. It's like there's nothing that he 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 doesn't miss anything. No. I mean, he's he's kind of a character that uh, that you just don't really expect to make as much of an impact either. You know, usually. That guy at the very top is not the one that's making the impacts in a lot of these stories. It's usually the middleman, like Vader, you mm-hmm. know? And Vader, I mean, Vader has a big presence in the movies, but he doesn't really do a lot when he's actually Vader that we see in the movies, you know? No, where he's, he, he he's, kills he's, the guys on Mustafar and, and distro- ends the war, is right. essentially what he's doing on Mustafar, because um, he get Sidious told all the leaders to gather there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, and after that, you know, he gets injured, um, and you don't, you see, um, in Rogue One, you know, he goes after the plans, mm-hmm. um, but he doesn't win there, right? And then in, in, in yeah. basically A New Hope, he's, he's again, looking for the Death Star plans. Yeah, none of it is like part of his plan, you no. know? I mean, he does do stuff. I don't want to say like Vader doesn't do stuff, but he doesn't have like this overarching plan that he's trying to do it's like he's almost like a robot yeah. you know well he is right yeah, he's I mean, the emperor's hand. he's right he is the tool right at that point he's been manipulated to the extent that mm-hmm. he's he's just the emperor's machine you know i mean really the emperor's hand i mean yeah. that's that's the way to put it right um but yeah i mean he I, I can't think of anybody else that really beats him i was trying to think of somebody that i could think on top of that some other honorable mentions um that that i had to put up there sauron's one of them Oh, yeah. Um, because he is just this ridiculous force of evil. Um, I mean, he's the emperor in Lord of the Rings. I mean... Pretty much. Um, but even more so, he's a god, basically. A fallen god, more mm-hmm. or less, is is the backstory there. Um, and just the scene in, in the very beginning when he's fighting that first war. And just, I mean, swinging, yeah, just swinging his mace <laughs> and just tossing 15 people at a time. Right. Um, it's just ridiculous. And, and, I mean, he created all the rings, corrupted all the races. I mean, he did all that, right? Um, Frieza is another one. Yeah, you got to love Frieza. I mean, I agree with you. His voice sucks, but... <laughs> his voice does suck. And, really and, I'm not, and his, his aesthetics, I'm not super keen on. 
but his character's good. Mm-hmm. It's just, I'm going to take over the universe. I'm going to kill everybody that gets in my way because I'm that much more powerful than everybody. Yeah. And that's why one of my favorite moments in Dragon Ball Z, probably actually not one of my favorite moment, is when Goku finally turns Super Saiyan and like... And Frieza finally shows fear. Yeah. <laughs> right, because yeah. up until that point, he's been just this unbreakable, like, it doesn't matter. However powerful you're going to think you're going to get, right. it's not going to matter. Like, he was enslaving Saiyans, you know? I mean, yeah. and they were, you know, one of the most powerful beings. And he and, blows up planets. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, so I, I think he's pretty cool. Um, the other, one of the other ones that you obviously don't know about if you haven't really played Mass Effect, but the Reapers in, in Sovereign is one of the Reapers in Mass Effect is, like, one of my favorite. Um <clears throat> As bad guys in general, I really like them. Um, and I don't want to... If you haven't played that story, I'm like tempted just not to ruin it because it's that good. Um, I mean, I'm never going to play it. You should play it. <laughs> um, it's worth the 30 hour. But I mean, basically, they're just this force of nature that like wiped the galaxy of all, of all its bullshit. Hmm, okay. And there's just this one conversation that when you play the game, and I don't know if it strikes everybody else as this when they get to this point, but there's a conversation in the first game that you, when you first finally kind of figure out what's going on a little bit, that you have with them and you're like, oh, we are so fucked. (laughs) And it was just, you know, this, this, again, it comes back to this ominous, like, force of, like, you're going to, this is it. Like, you don't stand a chance. You're going to lose. We've done this a thousand times before. You're just next. And it's like, okay, here we go. You know, <laughs> um, that, is pretty, that is pretty interesting. It is cool. So, like, is it, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some other good ones because um, I, I had a bunch in mind. I mean, the Joker, obviously, we talked about hmm. Griffith. Griffith, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> um, after watching Berserk, he's probably right up there on the list. I don't know, but I almost struggle to say he's even my, like a good. I mean, he's a good villain, but I just don't like him that much. He's one of the few villains where I'm like, nah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know why. Well, yeah, whatever. Watch, <laughs> watch the movie. I, need to, I think you need to like rewatch the series. I'm watching it right now. I'm watching the movies. I'm, I'm on the third movie right there where they uh, right where he turns into a demon. So well, there you should. That should solidify. <laughs> That's the exact time we're like, now fuck this guy. Um, I mean, the Terminator, obviously Voldemort. Eh, I'm not really in on him. I don't think he's all that special. Yeah, he got punked out by a little kid. He did. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not impressed. Step your game up. Kylo Ren is a good one. I mean, let's be honest. I really like Kylo Ren. A lot of people hate on him because they're like, oh, he's this... You know, teenage boy that's just throwing a temper tantrum, right? Think about what he's gone through. I mean, but I think that, like, I mean, you know, that scene where he gets really angry and he just destroys the computer system with his lightsaber, and there's, you know, just terrified. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. the the stormtroopers or whatever are like, just like, oh shit, time to go. What did we just walk into? Time to go. Um, Yeah, I really want to see him flushed out more. I really hope that we see a lot more about him. Um, and I, you know, obviously since I'm dressing up as him for Halloween, I feel like that, uh, agent Smith, we haven't talked about much major. He's not really a villain though. Mm. He's, he actually, he's, he's an antagonist. I don't know that I would call him a villain. Yeah. I mean, cause he actually, I mean, he actually starts helping the humans. Like he makes them realize their flaw in the whole system. You know? Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that agent Smith is, is a lot more on the human side than he is on the robot side. Yeah. Well, we, 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 uh, the matrix is something we haven't talked about at all so we need to maybe save the bottle that discussion and yeah and save that for another time i need to watch the matrix i was gonna say i haven't seen that movie in a long time i think if we're gonna do that it's probably been a couple years since i've watched those so we we might have to buckle down and strap in for six or six to it's probably about six hours yeah um, and rewatch when that. I'm done doing all this, uh, all these long weekends and yeah, stuff once, like that, we'll have to find a Sunday or something. I was going like to say, once you stop preparing for the zombie apocalypse, <laughs> we'll be fine. Um, but oh, the other one, Sephiroth. Oh yeah. Fantastic. I, I can't even, that, that should have been one of the first ones we even mentioned. I love Sephiroth, man. And, 
you know, he's, I mean, he's one of the most iconic villains that you'll ever see. You I know? mean, even just the aesthetic, right? Yeah, You've that, got, I mean, that's like the black and white, the sinister face, like expressionless cold face. Mm-hmm. The what, giant Masamune. I was going to say a giant freaking, <laughs> is that what that's called? Yeah. Is that just a big katana? Is that what that, yeah. what's that what that's code for? Well, I mean, that's, that, that's what the name, I don't know if that's actually the name of a real sword, but that's a, that's what his sword is called. Okay. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, just that, in that whole storyline being the, the spawn of some genetic experiment, mm-hmm. basically. And then coming to the realization that you, you aren't even, I mean, he is real, but he's not real. You know I mean? It's like, he's not... He's not what he grew up thinking that he was. You know, he wasn't born into the family that he thought he was, right. you know. Um, and and you really get it when you play Crisis Core. And I don't know if you've ever played that. No. But man, Crisis Core is, it's pretty fantastic. And I think you really should, if you, it's, it's probably a 12 hour game or something That's, like yeah. that on the PSP. Dude. I could probably that. game. That. It's such a good game. I couldn't believe how good that game was. I played it when I was in Iraq, and I mean, I just couldn't stop playing that game. And I had no preconceived notions of this game, and it kind of came out of nowhere. And it's typically not a game that I I enjoy because um, it's kind of a hack and slash kind of thing. Um, but you know, you have like different abilities that are kind of built in that give you bring you back to Final Fantasy VII mm-hmm. or whatever. But man, it was so good in the story in it. Dude, like, I mean, I was I was emotional at the end of that game. <laughs> I, and I'm are serious. Are you playing like, as Sephiroth? No, you're playing as uh, Zach, which is Cloud and, and Sephiroth's buddy, right? Yeah. No. Yeah, he's he's the one that basically Cloud steals his identity, identity. from. Yeah. Um, and that's... And well, I'm not going to even say anything about the story because you really just need to play it. But, like, I, I mean, seriously, like, I was emotionally vested, invested into that game. And I didn't think that I was going to be. And somebody was just like, hey, you want to play this? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm like, dude, I might have to play this again. <laughs> like, all <laughs> over again, man. It was just... A fantastic game. Um, but yeah, you find out a lot about him. Um, in Advent Children, you get a little bit mm-hmm. more. A little bit, yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and part of, I mean, part of his thing is, is you don't really know everything about Sephiroth. Um, or Genova, right? I mean, yeah. It's kind of still this mystery thing. Yeah. But you you do know that he's one powerful motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's no joke, right? I mean, um, yeah. And I mean, still, you basically I mean, have to have the Knights of the Round to beat him. So. Yeah. You do. I tried without it. It's fucking impossible. Um, and, and the other thing is, uh, I mean, realistically, one of the best, um, like, what do you call it? I'm, I'm so blanking today. What is, it's the term when uh, something unexpected happens in a movie. Plot twist. Yeah. That's it. What the is? Yeah. So I just had to talk through it and then I can figure it out. Um, so one of the, honestly, one of the best plot twists in any game is in Final Fantasy VII. And I'm, I'm it's obviously, I mean, it's too old. I'm going to, so when he kills Aerith. Or Aerith. Oh yeah, man. I got. I mean, I, I was, still remember watching that cutscene and being like, "Did that just fucking happen?" Yeah, I was in the eighth grade and I cried, man. Like, I'm not even gonna lie, I cried. I was like, "Did this really just freaking happen?" Like, I was, I was emotional because you're, you're invested like, in Cloud and her relationship yeah. and everything, and and the, it just out of nowhere, man. In that scene, you're you're just like, "All right, cool. We got Aerith that's praying and and whatnot. Things are, you know." Things are cool. I mean, for me to say that I cried during a video game, like... Pretty, yeah, it's important. I mean, I mean, most people that know me 
know that I am not an emotional person. <laughs> like I don't, I try not to show emotion. Like, I mean, well, I don't try not to, I just, that's just my personality. I don't really have a lot of emotion <laughs> that I let out there, but like I was very emotional for both of these games. And I mean, that's, that's storytelling. We're going back. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, like, so I mean, that, be, this was a good episode. I'll kind of odd to, to wrap all that up. I mean, yeah. you know, what, what is a good story? What's a, I mean, with the DC stuff at the beginning, what's example, bad storytelling yeah. and bad character building. And then who are some of our favorite like, races? It's almost like we planned all this. I know. It's kind of crazy, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so I thought, you know, we can, we're almost out of time, so we can kind of close the table there. But um, thanks guys for listening. Um, let's see. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, do all that kind of stuff. Uh, rate and review the podcast. We got Max Doehouse coming up. Yeah, I was going to say. So, yeah. So, this weekend, uh, we'll be at Max Doehouse on Saturday. Uh, I think we're going to, don't quote me on this, but I think we're going to watch Infinity War. Um, and and then we'll be back at Cardinal Gaming on Monday, uh, playing some Magic the Gathering. Um, and I, I guess um, I'm going to, you know, you guys have seen it in the group, maybe, but if you haven't, um, we have partnered um, with Louisville Supercon, so we will be helping out, basically helping run the convention to a certain extent. Um, we'll be having volunteers, and, and if you volunteer, I think Aaron said 10 hours, I think get you a free pass. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you have an opportunity to, to go and experience it and help and and do it for free, um, which is pretty cool. I don't yeah. know anywhere else. And you get to help the group. I mean, so you can get to meet us, like hang out with us. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. You're not going to be doing real work. I mean, <laughs> no, you might be putting wristbands on somebody <laughs> yeah. or something, right? I mean, I mean um, yeah. You know, there's going to be a lot of awesome celebrities there. Um, you know, it's. I mean, it's not going to be San Diego Comic Con or anything like that. But William Shatner, though. Yeah, I mean, William Shatner is going to be there. I mean, that's somebody I've always wanted to meet. Um, you know, the Green Ranger is going to be there. Yeah, <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter. I mean, there's a lot of there. there there's a lot of wrestlers, which I was actually kind of surprised. Well, about. Ohio but, Valley uh, yeah, wrestling say, that's is pretty big here. Yeah, so. I didn't realize um, that that was going to have wrestling until I started looking down the list. And I'm like, hey, I actually know some of these guys. Booker T, I think he was on really? the list. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool, though, guys. Um, I'm excited. Um, to. I mean, I have, I've been to Star Wars conventions. Um, I've never been to a Comic-Con or any of the local conventions but so I'm, I'm i'm really interested to check that out chris and i will uh we've gotten the privilege of getting some media passes so we'll get to go sit in on the q a panels um and i'm gonna try and figure out how to record that so you guys can hear it yeah um i don't know what we're allowed to bring in there maybe we can video it also i'm not sure um but anyways we're gonna we're gonna figure that out at, at the very least we'll be able to uh, ask some questions and take some notes and come back and recap the discussions that, that were had and yeah, stuff hopefully like we that. can interview william shatner i think yeah i'd really like awesome. to be able to, you know i just don't know what the logistics of yeah. all that are what their schedules are can we yeah. just pull them aside for five minutes mm-hmm. or or what's that really look like um you know one of the other cool things is um the voice, some of the voice actors from My Hero are going to be there. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it'd be cool to, to get to talk with them and and whatnot. Um, so yeah, we're. I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. A bunch um, from Overwatch too. If you're into Overwatch, there's going to be quite a few of the voice actors from that. Yeah, I'm um, not. There were but, a couple other. Uh, yeah, I've, I've never really gotten into it, but I know that there's a huge fan base for Overwatch out there. So, um, so yeah, good stuff. To look guys. Forward to. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something worth checking out. I mean, it's a local convention. Um, you know, here in Louisville, obviously. Um, I don't really know a whole lot because I think this is the first year it's ever happened. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, support local conventions so we can get bigger and better conventions. I mean, I'd yep. love to see, you know, Louisville have a convention the size of like Gen Con or something like that where you have like cool. 30,000, 40,000 people show up to a convention. I mean, that would be amazing. Um, yeah, and, we, and, you know, we do that. We grow that, but you yeah. have to participate and be a part of it when it's small. Yeah. Um, and, it, and not that it's going to be small. That's probably the wrong word, right? But mm-hmm. it's going to be smaller probably than what you might be traveling to go see right 
Um, but the other thing is, you know, we're going to be there. So yeah. if you don't go to conventions because you don't have anybody to go with, now you do. Yeah, come meet us. I'll be dressed up as Kylo Ren because I'm wearing that. <laughs> I'm wearing that costume to everything I can possibly yes. wear it. To. I was going to say. So we'll be stand, I'll be I'll be interviewing William Shatner with Kylo Ren. Um, but uh, no, we look forward to it. So I just wanted to share that good news with you guys. Um, but. I think that's all we got for you this week, guys. Thanks for listening again. If you guys have any questions, don't um, feel free to reach out to us. We kind of, you know, we still are open to hear what you guys want us to talk about. Um, but anyways, you got anything else? That's all. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll catch you next week. Peace.